by Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit that gives hope to people that were caught in the devastation of addiction or overrun by emotions in this series. Learn how to identify feelings, what motivates actions, and find biblically-based solutions to manage emotions. Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 15 years ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now, here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom. For those you love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. Susan, as we continue our series on emotions, what's up for today? Today, we're going to talk about depression and some things that can help us when we are depressed. You know, and today, for me, this is a this is a very, very important program. And if you know somebody that could be struggling with deep sadness or discouragement or depression listen up if we don't have all the answers but we today's program we can definitely give someone some tools and point them in the right direction to get some help uh and so that's what today's program is about it's to give somebody a little bit of hope a little you know and 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 things like that and so we're hoping that we can get uh get you pointed in the right direction if that if you're troubled with depression and sadness and things like that. Uh, Susan, would you open today's program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the life that you give us, the fact that we have emotions and solutions when we are overrun by our emotions. And we just pray right now that um, those that need to hear the message are there, and uh, as we speak to ourselves as well, that you help us to clearly identify what's wrong and what the solutions are. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Susan, you ever been really sad? Yes, I have been. W- what were the circumstances that led you up to being really, really sad? To Boy, even when I think about it now, it makes me sad. A couple of years ago... Um, my mom passed away very suddenly and unexpectedly. And um, during that time, we would, had also been taking care of, of your dad, who was dying of cancer. And two or three months after that, he too passed away. And um, I just couldn't handle it. I was overrun with my emotions of deep sadness and loss and um just questioning and just an emptiness that I could not could break could out, pull of. out of it. Could huh? not break out of it. And this went on for a while, didn't it? Went on for several, several months. Yeah, world... I mean, I stopped everything. I stopped. There's chores that I do around the house, and I just stopped everything. Yeah. I, I just stopped. Yeah. You know, and worldwide, approximately 200 million individuals suffer from depression or deep sadness or things of that nature. And things come along that that cause it, and sometimes we pull out of it, and sometimes we don't. In fact, almost one in four Americans suffer from some form of depressive condition. It's no wonder that treatment for depression costs approximately $70 billion each year in America. You know, depression or extreme discouragement to the point of becoming disabled has been experienced since the inception of sin. A number of the Bible, of Bible characters displayed symptoms that probably wouldn't meet 
today's diagnostic criteria for depression. Do you remember the book of Job? When Job was wrestling with his situation and he was wrestling with God and he was wrestling with his three theologian friends. And everything that was happening to him in his life, he was he didn't understand. And in um, Job 6, he says, why won't God give me what I ask? Why won't he answer my prayer? If only he would go ahead and kill me. Now, this is Job, perfect and upright. Right. right. He is trying to deal with issues and he doesn't know how. Right. He's really struggling. He said, if I knew he would, I would leap for joy no matter how great my pain. I know that God is holy. I have never opposed what he commands. What strength do I have to keep on living? Why go on living when I have no hope? When I have no hope. You know, basically, depression is the inability to construct a future. Mm-hmm. The inability to construct a future. No hope. Job didn't know what was happening to him, and he was just trying to get a handle on it. Right. And he had some real morbid thoughts go through his mind. In fact, he prayed that God would kill him. This is a quote-unquote Christian. This is Job we're right. talking about. You see, so God understands the human condition and understands that there is a battle between good and evil, and it's messed up. Right. Hopelessness is a symptom of depression, and the biblical message of hope can offer us so much in contrast to a world that offers so little. All people at times face moments of extreme discouragement for any variety of reasons. No wonder that the Word of God is filled with promises that can give us all of us, no matter what our situation, reasons to hope for a better future. If not in this world, then certainly in the next. That's right. In the book of Psalms, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Now, of course, when depression is severe, it's important, and we can't emphasize this enough, it is important to get professional help whenever possible. The Lord can work through these people just as he can work through uh, your connection with God. God has put people on this earth to help other people. That's right. So, you know, if you're suffering from depression, if it's severe, you get professional help. God can work through them too. Uh, You know, regardless of your relationship with God, if you were physically ill, you would go to a doctor. Right. If I had a broken leg. You would go to a doctor. So if, you know, if you got problems with depression then go see some a professional right. about it. Yeah, Sadness is not a sin. It's not a sin to be sad. After all, look at how often Jesus felt sad. And remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 42, just after he wrote this famous text, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Just a few verses later, what does he say? He says, why am I so sad? Why am I so troubled? I will put my hope in God, and once again I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. So, see, see, he's asking why sadness, he's right. asking why sad, and he's and he's very confused. But he says, "I will still put my hope in God." Right. He makes that choice. He makes the choice to put his hope in God. You know, so we can't feel guilty about sadness or depression. Uh, it happens. We're in a messed up world. In some cases, we have good reasons to be hurting. Sometimes our wounds are self-inflicted. Sometimes we lie to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, what's the definition of a lie? A false statement made deliberately. Made deliberately. Okay, what is a categorical statement? 
categorical statement is... Because these are very dangerous. An all-inclusive statement, and it's very dangerous to combine a lie with a categorical statement. For instance, when one sees oneself negatively, they might say, everything I do is wrong. Mm -hmm. Or they might say, I am always the dumbest person in the room. Mm -hmm. And see, these are categorical. You, you're telling yourself very negative things. Number one, they're, they're, that's a lie. Right. Because everything you do is not wrong. Right. And so, but you make it categorical, and it's really bad for the brain to do that. Uh, another categorical statement, when one looks at the world pessimistically, they may say something like, life is always unfair. Mm-hmm. Is life always unfair? No. No. But when you're going through that, you make a categorical statement. These will put, these statements will put you in a tailspin as as you start to go down you know when life when life mm-hmm. is not handing you quote unquote a good hand mm-hmm. see another categorical statement when you're contemplating the future hopelessly it may say something like it will never improve there's another categorical statement or i know that i'm just a mess i'm going to mess everything up again i always do Mm-hmm. And see, so we're looking at the future. So now we're looking at current conditions. We're looking at future conditions, and we're making categorical statements with our, which are lies, and they're all inclusive. So it's a and very dangerous, dangerous combination. Right, because what happens is, is those are the, that sets off, I guess, scientifically or or whatever it is, negative synapses. And so you're teaching your brain to believe exactly. that, and to think that, and you focusing on that, and then everything becomes that and because they become, that's what you're thinking. So when you com- when you combine a categorical statement with a lie, it becomes a catastrophic statement to your brain and to your overall mental health. Right. Now, speaking of messing a brain up. Um, you know, I went through bouts of depression early in my recovery for and, and on and on and on through for about eight or 10 years. And we, it was borderline. She wanted me to go on medication. It was just, I've been on medication all my life. It was tough for Susan. It was even tougher for, for Susan than it was for me. Um, but we did want to, uh, at our church, they had a depression recovery program. And they came to town, and we became a part of the Depression Recovery Program. And I'll give you the, the, the website of the Depression Recovery Program, because if you are depressed or if you have depressive conditions, there are things that uh, you can do. Because, see, what they do is, is first off, you get analyzed. You, get, you actually kind of analyze yourself. Right. Because, see, depression... It, You have things that are out of your control, like your past, the way you were raised. That's called developmental. Can't change that. Can't change your genetics. Can't change your genetics. You can't change that. But your lifestyle you can change. You, in other words, if you're addicted to something, you can change that because mm-hmm. that addictive, whatever you're addicted to is going to put you on an emotional roller coaster anyway. So you can change that. You can change your exercise routine. Mm-hmm. You can change how you sleep, your right. sleep habits, which is called circadian rhythm. Right. And so you can also change what you eat. And the and the website you're talking about is drnedley.com. So it's it, www drnedley.com and this this man is an internal medicine specialist right and he found out that the people that were coming in to him that were sick the majority of them had depression right and so what he did was he he developed this program okay and so 
we'll we'll hit give some the web- of the highlights yeah of it. we'll hit the highlights of it and we'll give the website again at the end of the program yes because it's very important to number one to, to people that that are in deep sadness and depression to know they they got hope and Be- they can go they can go to this website and they can get resources that really work yeah and there's things that you can do and beginning to begin to do right now that will uh, help your overall mental health. In fact, he runs a program called uh, Mental Peak Performance. And we can't go into the whole things that, all the things that are in the program, but there are things that you can add to your diet which will help the melatonin turn into serotonin, which will, and then you add that to your, like if you have, eat omega-3s, and then if you eat tryptophan, flaxseed, flax and walnuts, f- walnuts are good for that, and that kind of stuff, and that will help turn the serotonin back into melatonin, and it and it's and so that helps. It's helped your, to get the chemical balance back right. to running at an optimum level. Right, and then also of course your exercise, and which we'll, we'll go through uh, as we kind of fly over this a little bit. Um, in fact, let's talk about exercise a little bit because it's an important part um, if you're able to exercise. Because if you're, eight, you know, we, we don't want... You want to check with the physician yeah, to make yeah, sure that you, everything is okay. Yeah, if you're not in really good health, please check with a professional before you run out and run four miles. You don't. We don't want to be doing and that. And you don't have to run four miles. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Exercise combined with a good diet is essential in overcoming depression. Physical exercise, especially when socially motivated, increases the brain's natural antidepressant chemicals, serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. What about feelings? Where do they come in in regards to our future and especially in regards to our relationship with God? Because well, exercise is something to do. We can do. We can get the chemicals going right. We can get the right diet and help those chemicals. But what about our feelings? Where do they come in? Well, I heard someone once say, we are not to make feelings a test by which to discern whether we are in or out of favor with God. Right, because here's what happens in, in regards to our relationship with God, because part of this program also is developing a good relationship with God and trusting in God. But if we... Uh, we, we have to know, you know what's going on, recognize it, and then we're able to change those things. So if a person feels happy, then he is confident and he is in a favorable condition with God. But when a change comes and... Um, oops, it will. It. Yes, it, it always does. Um, but when the change comes, um, because of circumstances, will be arranged that feelings of depression will make the heart sad, like when my mom and, and my father-in-law passed away. Then he will be naturally led to doubt what God, that God has accepted him. In other words, it's not wise to look at the emotions and try to test your spirituality by your feelings. Don't study yourself. Look, look away from self and look to Jesus. Because translated, in other words... Feeling happy is not a barometer whether or not you have a good relationship with God or not. Right. It's, it's okay to feel sad and still have a good relationship with God. But a lot of times, I know that's how I am. If I feel good, I think I'm in favor with God. I think everything's great. And all of a sudden, I start feeling bad, and I think I have fallen out of favor with God. That's not the case. And that's mm-hmm. a dangerous mindset because that can send us into a depressed state. That's right. It's true that the world is not a good place. Mm-hmm. It's rotten. It's full of evil. At the same time, there's many right, noble, admirable, admirable things to ponder on. And, you know, you get depressed, look at Philippians 4.8. It gives you things to, to dwell on, to mm-hmm. think about. Why would God do that? Because he knows the human condition. 
He knows what we like to dwell on, and if we dwell on self, we're going to be in a world of hurt. Right, so he tells us don't dwell on self. Don't dwell on self. Keep your eyes on Jesus and turn to the Bible and look at what I'll tell you what to, to dwell on. You know, but at least for Christians, we can understand that the existence of evil exists, but we don't have to worry about that because we know its origin and we also know its ultimate fate. That's right. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that don't understand what's going on around them because they can't embrace good and evil. Mm -hmm. They don't know that there's an evil one out there. They don't understand that at the end he gets cast into the lake of fire, him and all of his minions. And they don't have that big picture. And so that's a part of confusion for a lot of people. Right. And that beautiful text in Revelation where all those things are going to pass away and there'll be no more pain and no more death and no more no more tears. Yeah. So if we really believe those promises, we're set up for success. But it has to do with trusting in God also. So it's an overall, it is an overall all-encompassing thing in order for a person to, to, to be okay with themselves and get out of depression. That's right. Depressive symptoms are commonly found in individuals with a prolonged terminal disease sometimes. Do you remember when, I was just thinking about it, when Hezekiah was suffering from an illness, he was going to die, and he experienced a, uh, a spell of depression too. In fact, it's in Isaiah 38, 30, Isaiah 38, 14. You want to read that? Yes. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a morning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am troubled. O oh Lord, come to my aid. The biblical description leaves no doubt about the, he- the pain that Hezekiah was feeling. See, deprep- depressive symptoms are so painful that many, sadly enough, will even attempt suicide to end the experience that they're going through. In fact, more than 10% of clinically depressed patients kill themselves. This is so sad. Clearly, clinical depression is a serious matter, and it must be treated that way. Depression causes a variety, a wide variety of painful manifestations. Here are some of them. A deep sense of sadness or sorrow, a lack of motivation to do anything, even enjoyable activities, a change in appetite, and either weight loss or weight gain. Sleep disturbances, sleeping either not enough or too much, feelings of low self-esteem, poor reasoning and memory, and thoughts of death and suicide. Yeah, and it's so sad because I know that must make God really sad to have his children think morbid thoughts and everything because they're going through stuff, and he just, I, it must be horrible for God to watch. You know, some people may just experience out of those symptoms just one or two uh some will experience more symptoms than others it, it, but we we know that that there we need to intervene mm-hmm. because we don't need to live like that like most emotional disorders depressions necessities that that the sufferer speak about his or her struggles in other words it necessitates that i'm sorry um it's okay to talk about what's going on mm-hmm. you know this act alone can sometimes begin to initiate the healing approaching the lord in fervent sincere prayer is a safe way to release tension and psychological pain often more is indeed is, is needed but it's a good start to take these issues to god especially when you read the bible and what we've just read everyone who had these conditions was 
crying out to God. That's and right. I mean, they were leveling with God. They're telling God, I want you to take me out. And why is this happening? Why is to this me? happening? Why am I so sad? But then they say, I'll trust in God. Right. These are great men of the Bible. They're deeply sad. They're depressed. Mm-hmm. They're messed up. Right. But they t- they're still taking everything to God. See, so it's okay. It's okay to be that way, and it's still okay to level with God and say, I don't know why this is happening, but it's happening, and you know what? I'm, I'm going to take it to you, God. Now, David, King David went through this, and he documented it in Psalms. Now, he's basically describing how he's trapped in his own mind, and he's trapped in his own mind when he thinks about things without letting it out, mm-hmm. you see? And, he's, and the more he doesn't let it out, the worse it gets. Notice how he describes what he's feeling and how he's, how he's wanting to let it out, but he realizes until he lets it out, he's not going to be okay. Right. So this is in Psalms 39.2. I kept quiet, not saying a word, not even about anything good, but my suffering only grew worse, and I was overcome with anxiety. The more I thought, the more troubled I became. I could not keep from asking, Lord, how long will I live? When will I die? Tell me how soon my life will end. How short you have made my life. In your sight, my lifetime seems nothing. Indeed, every living being is no more than a puff of wind, no more than a shadow. All we do is for nothing. We gather wealth, but we don't know who will get it. What then can I hope for? Lord, I put my hope in you. I put my hope in you. Do you see what he's talking about? He's analyzing his life. He's analyzing reality. What he's talking about is real. I mean, we spend time on this earth. But it is like five minutes I, when you I, think about it. I, I like this one, Psalms fifty-five, seventeen. Morning, noon, and night, my complaints and groans go up to him, and he will hear my and voice. And he will hear. That's right. So once again, David is being very open and honest about what he's feeling. But at the end, he still says, no matter what, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to go to you. I'm going to go to you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that is so important. Um even secular psychologists recommend that clients who believe in prayer pray. Right. I mean, even they know there's a benefit to that. Um, all of us, even when not suffering with something such as clinical depression, can experience the impact of how praying to the Lord does help make us feel better. I mean, it do, we don't have to be clinically depressed to know that when we take anything to God— it pulls us out of it. Right. Maybe not immediately, but it will pull us out of it. No matter who we are, the depths of our discouragement, having a relationship with God can go a long way in bringing us hope and encouragement and healing. And the worst part now is I know myself when I'm in a tailspin, the problem is I'm not like these biblical characters. I'm, I you kinda, don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere, and I don't want to go to God. Nope, you just want to That's the last stay. thing I want to do is have help. I just and maybe that's what Job was saying was saying just take me out. I don't even want help. Right. I just want to be taken out. A basic coping strategy for depression also consists of talking to a friend who knows how to listen. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, my wife knows how to listen and praise the Lord for that. I'm not a good listener, but she is a very good listener, and she's helped me through uh, so much uh, because there is a healing effect in verbalizing things, uh, and it's also important for anyone going through hard times and who feels discouraged or even depressed to have someone to trust, to talk to. Sometimes merely just talking to someone can go a long way in helping just to make you feel better, just to know that someone wants to spend the time to listen. An author once described prayer, of course, that's another someone that we want to talk to. 
the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Another thing we need to know now is that we are forgiven. Psalms 32 says, Happy are those whose sins are forgiven, whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is the one whom the Lord does not accuse of doing wrong and who is free from all deceit. That's right. See, the guilt of that comes from or produced by unconfessed sins may become extremely painful. The expressions used by David are clear, a clear indication of his intense inward pain. Psalm 32 and other passages in Psalms show the severity of David's emotional distress. Uh, you want to read Psalm 32 there? Uh, so 32 verse 3. Sure. Uh, that is, oops, sorry. When I did not confess my sins, I was worn out from crying all day long. Day and night you punished me, Lord. My strength was completely drained as moisture is dried up by the summer heat. Then I confessed my sins to you. I did not conceal my wrongdoings. I decided to confess them to you, and you forgave all of my sins. See, so that's another avenue or another aspect. But when we meet sufferers of depressions, we must be extremely careful in this situation not to blame them for not having confessed your sins. I mean, that's not, you don't run up and say, well, I know, because that's what Job's uh, friends basically did. And so uh, we're, running, we're out of time. We're out of time here. <laughs> okay, well, I want you to remember, we're going to give you that website one more time, www.drnedley.com. So as we close today, we'd like you to keep in mind that there's a difference between having emotions and your emotions having you, and that you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do I love them? Can I feel his pain and his need? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in captivity, overrun with the devastation of addiction and unmanaged emotions. Rich and Susan are living testimonials, and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know, or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction and unmanaged emotions, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to www.justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.